Adventures cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. You know, I'm glad to see that you're all fending off the holiday blues. This time of year is filled with arguments, suicides, murders. Yeah, I guess it's the seasonal happiness of others tends to throw a glaring light on the flaws in our own interpersonal relationships. But gee, of course, that's no problem for me. I'm alone. Want to join us for some bird, Frazier? Could I? <laughs> you want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and with me to discuss a special holiday episode of Cheers are not one but two equally special guests. First up from Jeff and Rick Presents podcast, please welcome back to the show Rick Heineken. What's up Rick? Not too much. Thank you very, very much for having me, Ryan. I am glad to be here. I'm glad that you chose me to be on this show. This specific episode, this is hilarious i appreciate it and like always i brought a beer i brought a very special beer uh, but before but I, I have to ask you as cliff clavin would say what is the suds du jour the suds du jour of the day this is from one of my local favorite breweries called great notion brewery and they do very very special mixed beers they do their own magic in them and this one is called baked and it is a mixed fermentation sour beer. So this is a sour, which is kind of a strange little beer anyways. But it is, as you can tell, absolutely red. It looks uh-huh. like a fruit juice. Yeah, this is a <laughs> mixed berry sour, like I said. It's 6% ABV. And let me tell you, this is good. It looks like cranberry juice. <laughs> it does. But it is a good sour. And if you've ever had a sour before... They really hit those sour receptors on your tongue. So you're not getting any of the hops or that kind of fermentation, but it tastes like a mixed berry pie. (laughs) (laughs) And it is good. (laughs) So I, but I, but I brought this because of two reasons. One for every Thanksgiving, you have to have a baked berry pie. And the one thing in this episode that didn't get baked was the Turkey. Very nice. Very nice. I was going to say the pies are uh, thematically important to this one. Yeah. Yep. Um, also, and he's been listening to this whole thing. Uh, our second guest from the SNL nerds podcast, please welcome back John Trumbull. What's up, John? Hi, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I did not bring any sort of beer. I, I, I feel bad. I didn't even bring popcorn balls. So. <laughs> I was going to say, damn it, John, it's a potluck podcast. <laughs> and, and you had them left over from last Halloween. Why didn't you bring them? I, I don't know. I should have at least made some mashed potatoes or something. I don't know. I, I had a turkey sandwich a few hours ago. That's appropriate. <laughs> That's good. Scoop the mashed potatoes off the wall and put it on the plate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, folks, if you couldn't tell already, we are talking about the Thanksgiving episode of Cheers. The Thanksgiving episode. A, a very famous, uh, notorious, and highly rated episode. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But this is Season 5, Episode 9, Thanksgiving Orphans. This one is written by Sherry Eakin and Bill Steinkellner, directed by James Burroughs. And the original air date was Thursday, November 27th, 1986. That was Thanksgiving that year. Diane is excited to attend a Thanksgiving party at her professor's house, where she can hobnob with the elite of literature and academia. The rest of the Cheers gang, however, are orphaned this Thanksgiving, that is, having no one to spend the holiday with. Carla agrees to host a potluck dinner at her new house, previously seen on the Halloween episode. On the day of, Woody, Cliff, and Frazier gather around Carla's TV to watch football and the parades. Sam shows up, too, after his date falls through. Norm, having stormed off from a fight with Vera, arrives with a huge turkey, and the gang is rightly concerned that it won't finish cooking in time for dinner. While Norm battles Carla's oven to get the turkey to at least the right color, Diane arrives at Carla's. She explains that her professor had only invited her and other favored students to his party to serve as waiters and help for the other guests. Diane felt so dejected that she fled. 
after hours without eating as one football game turns into another turns into wrestling the gang eventually settles at the dining room table to eat but norm breaks the news that the turkey still isn't done Diane tries to keep the anger in check by having everyone express what they are thankful for on this day, but instead, all most of them can do is complain about the food they all brought. Norm flicks a pee at Carla's nose, setting off a chain reaction of food whizzing and sailing across the table as every member of the gang is caked in food and retaliates. Hours later, having finally eaten, the friends settle in, content despite being coated in gravy, potatoes, cranberry sauce, etc. The doorbell rings, and one final guest shows up, Norm's wife, Vera. Meanwhile, Diane, hoping as always to get the last shot in at Sam, throws a dessert pie at him, but she misses and the pie hits Vera right in the face before the cheers gang, and more importantly, before we, the audience, actually get to see her. Alrighty, guys. Uh, John, big picture, first of all, what are your thoughts on this episode, Thanksgiving Orphans? Well, I mean, I think it's it's rightly considered a classic because of, largely because of that large food fight at the end. I mean, that is that is just so great. I hadn't rewatched this one in a while. I was a little surprised when I rewatched it the first time around. I was like, you know, the, the beginning of this episode isn't quite as good as I remembered. We remember it mainly for the food fight at the end. And I, I felt a little disappointed initially. But when I went through it the second time, I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah, for for context, just uh, I was going to hit this up, but uh, Cliffy's little known facts. In 1997, TV Guide and TV Land worked together to come up with their 100 greatest episodes of all time. This episode ranked at number seven on their list. Wow. And a few years later, IGN called it the fourth best episode of Cheers. There's also a a list, uh, some publication did a list of like the top 10 greatest moments of Thanksgiving moments in film and television. And this was highly ranked in that. Rick, do you think it's deserving of those places? of those rankings i think so and and at the same time i also agree with what john said this episode builds to that joke at the end and Mm -hmm. the beginning parts have some real low points maybe doesn't sell it that, that much but you don't get the ending without some of the drudgery at the beginning and i think that's part of what makes this a good episode like woody keeps saying this is gonna be the best thanksgiving ever this is gonna be the best thanksgiving ever and it never is. They're sitting around watching TV. Yeah, they're watching TV together, but they aren't really having any fun. They weren't really enjoying themselves until the very end. And I think that's what makes it relatable. That's what makes it enjoyable. And I think that that's what actually works in its favor. If it was funny throughout, the ending might not be as enjoyable, but you need some of the what you feel like drudgery at the beginning to get to that just release at the end. I think there might be something to that. I I was actually thinking, and, and both of you kind of close to this, like I didn't find this episode nearly as quotable as I remember. Like yeah. when I was taking my notes, I usually have to stop myself from writing down every line of dialogue when I'm taking my notes. Cause I was like, we'll never get through this. If I'm just, if this podcast ends up just being a transcription of the show. And I found that there were some good jokes, but it just, it didn't seem to feel as tight, which is surprising because these writers are really good and they've been on, they've written for the show. They've been showrunners at some, at one point in Shears's history. But I think this is, a really, really good, a really strong episode with a wonderful, emotional, cathartic payoff at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But if, I mean, this is me who lives and breathes with the show and who's dwelled in it and has watched them ad nauseum. To rank this the fourth best episode of the series, I find a little preposterous. Um, I don't know that this is my fourth favorite episode of this particular season. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to call. I don't want to start off this episode by saying this is a really overrated episode. It's a bad episode. It's a good episode. They're all yeah. good episodes, and this one yeah. has some really funny parts as we're going to go through them. But like, yeah, when I looked at like seventh greatest episode of television, I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, you're forgetting some really great episodes of Cheers. But I, I think it's a little like you know the the last episode of Newhart. Everyone remembers the ending of the very last episode of Newhart of Dick Loudon waking up in bed mm-hmm. next to mm-hmm. Dr. Bob Hartley's wife, next to Suzanne Plachette. 
and everyone kind of forgets everything that came before. And that was what I experienced when I was rewatching it. And like you said, it's still an episode of Cheers. So it's still great. And it's still head and shoulders above most other television sitcoms. So it's still great. It's still very entertaining. But by the standards of Cheers, yeah, I wouldn't put it in my top 10. I think you're right, though. It's the memorableness of the entire episode. Yeah. We remember the food fight. We remember that as God is my witness, I thought turkeys <laughs> could fly. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. remember Chuckles the Clown's funeral. The entire episode may not hit all the heavy points, but you're remembering this cultural event. And I think that that's why it ranks so high. It ranks high because it will be remembered. It's one of the things that you will remember of this show. There may be much better episodes and they're really good episodes, but they may not have the staying power that this does. That's true. And just to take, to go to such excess with the climax of this episode and to set it outside of the bar and outside of the normal norms mm-hmm. of the show. But yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go through this, uh, starting with the teaser. Despite it being a Thanksgiving episode, our teaser is immersed in Christmas. Um, as Woody comes in with a box full of Christmas decorations and asks Sam if he can put these up around the bar. And Sam, I mean, this they were saying this in 1986. They still say it today. Somebody's always like, boy, Christmas comes yeah, comes earlier and earlier every year. Well, well Sam, I, I think it always comes on the 25th. <laughs> yeah. Look at the calendar. Yeah, yeah. So Woody puts up his uh, his Rudolph, rain, like his little paper craft Rudolph that he made himself when he was a kid and he reflects that you know Rudolph was always his favorite story and Frazier sitting at the end of the bar kind of takes takes umbrage with this he's like you must not realize then that Rudolph is actually a terrible story a terrible message to kids and Woody tries to deflect that as he can he's like well you gotta admit it's easy to whistle whistle. (laughs) and Frazier then Launches into this thing, and this is one of those things where it's like, okay, Frazier, you're not really talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, are you? When he starts talking about how the poor, you know, reindeer is being ostracized by the others for being different, and even once his abnormality becomes useful, even then, do they accept him and let him play their games? And Sam and Woody are both like, yeah. yes. That's how it's like, no, 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 no. I know what the song says, <laughs> but that's not how it goes in real life. And, it, they, they doubly despise the bolus nose wimp. Yes, yes. And that's yeah. when you're like, who are we talking about, Fraser? Who, who are who's on who are we psychoanalyzing here? <laughs> it, it's interesting seeing like the characterization of Fraser in this era. And this is when he was still sort of the most serious person in the bar, and he was still a bit of a party pooper. Yeah. And and but but in this episode, you also sort of see the two sides of Fraser because he is able to join in on the food fight at the end and be one of the gang, but it's still very much like he doesn't quite entirely fit into the bar. Right. But he fits in more than Diane does at this point. Well, who doesn't? (laughs) (laughs) The the, the used peanut shells fit in more than Diane at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But I I think, I think also with Frazier too, you also have, he's supposed to be the psychiatrist. He's supposed to make everybody feel better about themselves. But yeah, like you said, his job is just coming in to pop the tires on your bike and then say, look at that. Somebody popped the tires on your bike. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel bad about that? Well, yeah, you're the one who did it. <laughs> and then he's like, well, happy holidays. I'm off. Yeah. I'm off. Yeah. And then something kind of unusual. And I don't know if you guys caught this because after the teaser is over, when we come back to act one, Christmas decorations are gone, <laughs> but they're still in the same costumes. Presumably this is the same day. And Frasier is back. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about like how like some teasers are, could be like dropped and like mm-hmm. left for any episode. And there you've got other shows where the teaser leads directly into the plot of the show or leads into the act. And possibly their show is just running along and they lopped off the first 90 seconds to be the teaser. You know, those have happened before. Like this one is like, okay, they filmed these at the same time. This This maybe is supposed to be the same recurring thing, but like they're all in the same costumes as in Act One, but it's clearly there. There's some sort of time. Maybe it's just a week later, and they just happen to be wearing the same outfits. I don't know. I missed it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at other things. Christmas, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that the Christmas decorations were gone after the teaser, uh, yeah. which which is fine because Woody, you shouldn't be putting up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. One <laughs> one holiday at a time, Woody. Oh, I think it's like after Labor Day in most department stores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
then Diane is putting on her sort of like pilgrim hat and everything. She's like, how do I look? Same says ridiculous. She's like, this is a authentic, you know, pilgrim hat or whatever from like the time period. And he like puts on the faux Shakespeare. Thou lookest ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and she says that her graduate American lit professor has invited a few favored students to break bread with his family and other honored guests, such as William Styron. And she has, she has, she has guess who's going to be there? William Styron? <laughs> she's like yes of course good guess what he's like well anybody who was paying attention could have figured that one out and fraser's got a good point here and he's like yes what a wonderful opportunity he's like you can maybe establish a rapport with mr styron while passing the yams and by the pie time you he's taken you under his wing and made you the next literary star and she's like you and i are of like minds he's like except one of us is joking i love bitter vengeful fraser <laughs> It's so funny when he still has that grudge against Diane and he's just taking pot shots at her whenever possible. It's great. He's good. I I particularly like Frazier at the beginning part of this episode when they're at the bar for that line and then what comes up a little bit. Uh, William Styron is an American novelist and essayist. So, and looks like he lived in the, on the East Coast there too. So I wonder if the Steinkellners were actually uh, aware, uh, familiar with his work. So Diane kind of like mentions this to Sam. Mm-hmm. This is like the one little connection to the sort of meta plot of this season of the Diane feeling that they are in a different state of their relationship than Sam perhaps does. Uh, and she's like, you know, I made these plans because you didn't say you wanted to do anything for Thanksgiving. It's like, it's fine because I have a date. And she appears to be mortified. She's like, well, how she, could you? Yeah. But she starts off by saying, it's okay if you find a date. It's okay if that happens. <laughs> yeah. Thinking that this will give him permission. He might try to find a date, but he's not going to succeed. Mm-hmm. But he's already found one, which, how could you? Yeah, without without asking her first. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. She actually says it's okay if you get an escort for the evening. <laughs> it's like, do you mean that the way I think you mean it? Probably not. <laughs> We will have many holidays together. Um, yes. Once you and I are one. He says you and I are, you already are one. <laughs> and then we sort of get this flood of uh, the exposition dump where everybody kind of talks about how alone they are. Like Carla is alone this Thanksgiving. This is the one year or the one time when all of her kids are at, in Atlantic City with, with Nick. Um Woody says this is his first year alone, Thanksgiving alone in Boston, unless you count last year. Mm-hmm. That that joke is brilliant. It's, it's <laughs> it takes a real talent to write a line that is so stupid. It's brilliant, and that that is great. That's just a great joke. And to follow it up, it's it takes even more talent to say the line and yeah. land it. Yeah, because they could have made it very easy. And just said, "Yeah, he went home last year," but they actually like put it. Actually, hang this point. It's like, no, Woody's been here for two years now. So, and then, oh, Fraser. He comes in with this whole little spiel thing that I love. And he's like, it's one like once, once Diane suggests that Carla open her house Mm -hmm. to, you know, Cliff, because Ma is feeding people in a soup kitchen and Cliff thinks he's already done his part for for charity. He participates in hands across America. (laughs) The lowest bar you could possibly have. Nice. I love that. And, and it's just a shame that hands across America, I don't, I think is probably not terribly well remembered today so that joke doesn't land the way it would have in the mid 80s because hands across america just turned out to be this fiasco um like the concept was it was going to be a line of people holding hands all across the continental united states and i forget what the point of it was was it raising money for some charity or something or raising awareness for something okay but it was so badly organized or, or so few people signed up for it that there were gaps in, in, the, in this line of this chain of hands across America. And oh. I remember the Simpsons even doing a joke about it. They did a, a flashback to like when Bart and Lisa were toddlers and, and the newscast was reporting. And except for huge gaps across most of the Midwest, <laughs> across America is a huge success. Yeah. It, it and then raised, they're all singing the song "Hands Across America." <laughs> it, it was ra- it raised thirty four million, but only about fifteen million was distributed after deducting operating costs. So, oh, well, 
34 yeah. million for what? Uh, various charities. <laughs> <laughs> Fight hunger and homelessness and help I, those in poverty. Guys. <laughs> that's what that's why it wasn't us. You didn't choose a lane. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Once uh, once uh Carlos uh home is open for the taking, then Frazier comes in he with his walks across the bar. He's like, I think it's wonderful that you're not letting the holiday blues get to you. And he kind of talks about how this is a time of depression and crime and high suicide rates. He's like, and it's it's because people see everybody with their families and it makes you feel self-conscious about your own interpersonal relationships and everything like that. He's like, but of course this is not a problem for me because I'm all alone. You want to join us? could i and i swear like fraser the way fraser says that is very close to being my home run except for what we know every like how the climax of this episode everything going on at the very end of the show but like if not for that stuff like the way fraser looks at her almost pitifully like could i and he turns on a dime too which is just wonderful he turns into an anime character his (laughs) eyes get round his face just droops i mean wow he has an emoticon appear right by his head (laughs) yeah (laughs) i don't know how they had the technology to do that in 1986 but uh wow yeah no he it's impressive very impressive how he could do that Mm-hmm. This is so good. Um, and then the last part of that is they ask Norman. He's like, "No, I've got to do. I've got to be with Vera. We're going to Vera's mom's house." He's like, "I hate it. There's no beer, no TV, and the t- temperature turned up to 80. Um, and Cliff makes kind of a dumb joke about you know masculinity and like you know he's like, "You got them or you don't," referring to his uh, reproductive organs and. Um, it's just, uh, it, uh, it actually, it's, it's very much something that Cliff would joke about, which is yeah. the irony of a character like Cliff. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, you're just like, shut up. But it, it actually works. And, and, and Norm is like, all right, yeah, I'll stand up to Vera and I'll, I'll definitely be there. And Carl's like, all right, Norm is out. <laughs> no, count me in. He's going to tell her eight years of going to the old bat's house and he's going to, he's going <laughs> to tell her no. Yeah. We can't forget that we get the the name of the episode gets dropped by Diane. Oh, she yeah. doesn't have to worry about my poor orphans. My poor orphans, yes. Um, which sort of sets up her very kind of maternal air later on in the episode. She sort of becomes the mother of the group once they get to the table. Um, then we go back to uh, Carla's house, last seen in uh, episode one hundred, the uh, House of Horrors, the episode that I covered before uh, four weeks ago. And uh, first of all, she did a nice job decorating it. You'd hardly know that the, the planes fly over this house <laughs> whenever it gets foggy. The set decorators did a really nice job with Carla's house. And also also the set designers, because like mm-hmm. the interior does match the exterior of the house very, very well. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's the same type of window in the living room. The door, the front door is like a little recessed like it is on the house out there. And uh, so, yeah, I was impressed with the job. They have like scattered toys and board games around. It looks like the type of place that Carla would be living in with her mm-hmm. family. Uh, Norm comes in with a, uh, for, without Vera, for one thing, kind of like <laughs> mentioned that they had this big fight and he said, I'm going there, whether you come with me or not. And then he brings the turkey, which is, it looks like it's going to feed like 25 people, <laughs> like not the seven of them. One thing I want to tackle, though, about Norm's entrance when Norm comes into Carla's house, everyone says, says Norm. And I think this is probably a first for the show. And maybe like the only time we see this, there's no, what's shaking Norm? All four cheeks and a couple of chins. There's no <laughs> gag like that. It's just Norm. And then they go on with the scene. And that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing, I thought. Well, Woody and Sam aren't at work. Because that's usually who's the, that's usually the person that's asking whoever's at the bar. Yeah. They're asking him, how's it going? They're not at work. They aren't going to say that to him. It's just friends at the at the place but yeah it's a good point though you would it is nice that we get the norm to one of the other characters and get a norm joke in there but they did not do that i guess because by this point the writers were sick and tired of coming up with norm jokes (laughs) and they're like it's thanksgiving we're taking the holiday off at this point i think there's only been one example of a, a character who like wasn't a cheers employee like setting him up for that joke like that Hmm. Um, just a, a few episodes ago, actually, we got an example where one of the other tertiary people set him up. <laughs> and then once he sits down, we get this sort of 
recurring gag about where the TV is facing. Yeah. And we, we, we're set up, we've got the couch, and then it is flanked by two like love seats, easy chairs, recliners, kind of like turned in, and the TV is kind of like in the center. And apparently whoever sits down last at one of the ends is within his rights to just completely turn the television set to face them. And yeah. it's usually Frazier who then has to get up and move to a different spot in order to see the TV. Nobody seems to complain about this. <laughs> well, everybody who's sitting on the couch just gets up and, and like moves, moves over, over a spot. Him. Yeah. But he doesn't complain about it out loud, but it's a nice way to just sort of subtly raise the tensions amongst the group. It, it really is setting up the big food fight climax at the end where it's like we're, we're seeing like little things that are irritating the people and yeah it's mostly Frasier um, <laughs> but yeah that's, that's a nice way to set it up there was one thing that you did miss at the beginning when the guys are just sitting around it's Frasier Cliff and Woody and Carla's going around serving them still right uh, Cliff says thank you to Carla you know thanks for coming me bring me over here let me come over don't ever mention it no, don't ever mention I let you in this house. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's also, the uh, back up a minute, there's a nice moment uh, between Cliff and Woody when they, they switch over from the football game to the parade and Woody's excited about the Mighty Mouse balloon and, and Cliff just tussles uh, <laughs> uh, Woody's hair in just sort of a, a almost fatherly gesture, which is, it's a really nice moment of warmth between them. Later on, there's another part with that where they're sitting down and Woody's sitting at like at the foot of the chair that Norm's at. And Norm's got a big football and he's bouncing the football off the top oh, of Woody's head. head. <laughs> yeah. it, it's another one of those things. It's like an older brother or like, you know, th- there's some real familial connection that's in there. Mm-hmm. You would see family members do that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, we, we kind of talked a, a little bit about like Frazier being in on this. And to some extent, I mean, we saw as early as the snipe hunting episode, Frazier kind of inserting himself into the gang's things and like him being able to hold his own. And now that he is a regular cast member. But like, if you think back to John, we're, uh, you were the guest when we did Diane Chambers Day, right? Uh, yes, I was. Yeah. So like, even in that one, like, when they they leave the bar to go watch the Magnificent Seven or something, mm-hmm. Frazier's not with them. You know, he hears about it later, and he's the one who comes up with the whole plan to help them salvage, you know, their their relationship with Diane, so she doesn't hate them. Right. This is, um, and maybe we've had another instance like this, but this really kind of feels like the first time where he's socializing with them outside of the group where we really at least see it. Maybe it's happened mm. off screen or something, but this feels like a big deal that he is of a piece with the group. Now it's not just, he's become a regular at the bar and they, they're all uh, familiar with him and they, they, they respect him and they like him. He's part of the group. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, well, by this point in the, in the series, Kelsey Grammer is a full fledged. Sure. Regular. Yeah. He's a, he's a regular, even though he hasn't been in every episode this season, but yeah, right. he is contractually at least he's he's part of them yeah because it like it wasn't it in the fourth season he's not in the opening credits quite yet yeah this is the first time he's in the opening credits this season except for one mistake in the opening credits based from like the dvd or digital uh transfer or something like that if you watch season four there is an episode that has kelsey Grammer listed in the opening opening credits even though he's not even in that episode and that's just a mistake from when they made the dvds or when they digitized the episodes they just included the wrong opening credit sequence for that one but yeah he wasn't officially uh, a member of the main cast main credits until season five yeah well i really hope someone got fired for that blunder (laughs) (laughs) i know that's the kind of blunder you don't come back from (laughs) no no i mean how could you how could you (laughs) right so what did we think of everybody's fashion in this episode when they're outside? Okay, Sam's jacket. I, I oh boy, I that's do like five minutes on Sam's jacket because I have never seen Sam be this tacky before. He is wearing this plaid jacket that I'm assuming he borrowed from his friend Dave, the sportscaster. Yeah, I thought of him. And and because it's the mid '80s, it's rolled up to the elbows. It, it's just and when Sam comes in, he has a joke about. His date fell through because his date's sister came by and they didn't want to do what I wanted to do. So it's obviously yep. like the implication is Sam suggested a three-way. They didn't go for it. So he's by himself. But he takes off his overcoat and 
Sam's jacket gets a bigger laugh than that line about suggesting the three-way. It is amazing. And I honestly have never seen Sam dress this tackily before or since. It's it's unbelievable to me. It's bad 80s fashion. I mean, yeah. It, it, he it had to be bought off of some catalog somewhere and at some point he thought it looked good, but no. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think of Sam as a bad dresser. He can he could maybe have some bad taste at times, but he was always a pretty well put together guy. And so I don't get what the costume designers were doing here. I'm trying to remember. I was like, would that have passed as like a, a night uh, as a cool, like fashionable, like a dress casual outfit that you wear to Thanksgiving? I was like, that looks terrible. <laughs> I was it like, I can't, I can't imagine. That. I mean, Cliff looks more fashionable than Sam, except for <laughs> the white socks. You know, Cliff looks kind of nice. He's, he's got a, a, a blue shirt and a nice sweater vest and a tie. He dressed up a little. Uh, Carlos a nice, little too, checkered, yeah. nice little checkered tie. Yeah, checkered a uh, little sweater there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody looks nice. Sam stands out, at least until Diane shows up. Yeah, and then there's big thing, and I love the fact that for the rest of the episode, Diane is dressed as a pilgrim in full, like black and white. She never <laughs> takes the bonnet off. Never <laughs> takes the bonnet off. Everybody else, the the, yeah. the sleeves come up. They're all yeah. casual, right? And it's the it's the gag where like the doorbell rings and Carla opens the door and Diane peeks her head and gobble gobble and Carla tries to shut the door on her face. No, no, she doesn't try. She does. <laughs> she slams the door hard on her and then barricades herself. And that, and that's our first commercial break. And I love that when they came back from the commercial break, we have another establishing shot of Carla's uh, home, but we see at the front door, Diane in her pilgrim outfit knocking on the door. Or, and you know, trying to look inside. Yeah. yeah, trying to look inside. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love that they did that and they went the extra mile and did that because it would have been the easiest thing in the world for them not to do that, but they did it. Uh, I don't know if that was like a house in the Los Angeles area or what. I'm assuming it was, but genius. <laughs> they they piped in like kind of throughout these scenes. You know, Woody Woody is very expressive that you know this is this is a great Thanksgiving. This is going to be great because everybody's there with the people that they want to be with. They're they're there with friends, and this is kind of meaningful. And I think Cliff even says something like it's it's better than you know, having to sit down and make small talk with family that you never, ever see or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of related to that in the sense because like, I've never been a big Thanksgiving person. Like it, it was just never one of my favorite holidays. Like even when I was a kid growing up and part of it was that we like on Thanksgiving, we always went to see my mom's extended family, but my mom was very close with her extended family. So we saw them all the time. It felt like we would do big family group gatherings like that seven times a year so i so it really like i felt like thanksgiving was just the one time we went there when it wasn't a birthday or christmas where nobody got presents so it always like as a little kid i was always kind of like let down i was like oh this one yeah that was i i was never a big thanksgiving person just because of like the feeling the kind of like a symbolic gesture and the meaning of being with these people it just it was it was kind of it felt like it was lost on me because it wasn't special at the time it wasn't something that was unique um and as i've gotten older i just i i don't know i've taken i i feel like we kind of weirdly fetishize some of the food in thanksgiving but i'm not turning this into an anti-thanksgiving screed no we get it you hate you hate thanksgiving i think you're you're, you just hate people you're negative nelly i mean who hurt you as a child i don't know but he smelled like pumpkin pie and i don't like it See, for I, me, I, can, I can relate to that a little bit because I am a bit of a Thanksgiving orphan myself. I've been living in New Jersey since uh, 94, and uh, my family is uh, down south in the Atlanta area. And so it's been years since I've spent Thanksgiving with family at all uh, because it's usually just not worth it just to fly down for like a day or two for one holiday like christmas i'll come and you know i can take a week or something like that but thanksgiving mm. no and you know especially since like christmas is right around the corner when thanksgiving is happening so right i've had this different kind of experience with thanksgiving my family had a lot of close friends from their church and we would get together in these big groups and it'd be a bit of a potluck but it'd be kind of run by one lady who she could make some wonderful food, magnificent food. And it was getting together with people that we did like. 
and we enjoyed spending time with. And then growing okay, up. Okay, we get it. You have people who love you. I'm sorry, I do. <laughs> no, and, and then growing up, you know, becoming an adult myself, my wife and I started hanging out with other people because we, we didn't want to see our family. And I think my parents were down in Arizona at that time during that time of year. So we didn't see them. We would get together with other groups of people and it became more of a friend's giving kind of a thing we get together with small or large groups of people oh i have so many friends i just don't know who i'm gonna I, say. I, I don't i mean there was one time Something i had to deep fry two from. turkeys and it was just fantastic now <laughs> i'm all about that and i i like getting a lot of groups of people together and i'm sorry i'm sorry that my enjoyment of life and these wonderful holidays just hits you in your cold dark hearts well john's <laughs> is because he's all alone mine is yeah. because i'm an asshole so. <laughs> yeah these are two not entirely unrelated things uh, there's some overlap in both areas the venn diagram is looking an awful like like a circle here are we assholes because we're alone or are we alone because we're assholes i mean it, we don't have time to delve into this all right now getting back to the show, we need help buddy getting back to the diane of it all she comes in and um she plays it off like you know she's like i'm, I'm fine i just I, I wanted to be here and of course it's sam who's like no no what's going on he, he like no he's like he's like you're not here by choice like something happened at this place so she explains that her and the other students were just there to be domestic servants and how did, how did she say she i dropped the table i burst into tears it took a moment to freshen up my mascara and then fled yeah <laughs> it's, it's fine when you're a 19 year old but it's not when you're not <laughs> yeah she won't reveal how old. she won't settle that question that i've had with other guests about how old diane is uh and then she calls the professor and he like for, we get from the conversation that he wants to apologize and he invites her back and she says she says i'm here with my friends my support system it's like and there's no place that i would rather be and then she also adds, I trust this won't affect my grade, which I love. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's there's also a moment somewhere in here where she says, like, I could really use a beer. And Norm brings her a beer. This might be the only time in the series Norm gets a beer for someone else. I think that's got to be a first of some kind, right? Oh, I'm thinking, I mean... I can imagine scenes where he might have given Rebecca a couple of beers, but I don't yeah. know for sure that we actually see them on. Have right. I stumped the band? <laughs> you, I really we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah, that's, that's some, how many times does Norm serve others? Yeah. It just really struck me because, and they don't really call attention to it or anything. He just brings her like a can of whatever domestic beer Norm but, No, no, because the bigger thing is like that, that Diane is actually like, come on, guys, give me a beer. She like claps her hands together. Yeah, she's like, yeah. it, it's, I'm it's ready the closest she's come to actually being one of the gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, of course, she doesn't want to watch football. She doesn't want to watch sports. Yeah. And then when they're like, the game is almost over, and then later she's like, wait a minute, I thought you were going to watch something else. He's like, no, this is the same game. It hasn't over yet. She's like, well, why are these people wearing different uniforms? Every time they have a touchdown, every time they score, they have to change uniforms. Yeah, that's great. And I love that she falls for that. And then later when they've switched to wrestling and we see Hulk Hogan on the TV, she's like, oh, come on. That is definitely not football. Which that the the cut footage is actually from something I looked it up. It's there's something on IMDb and I forgot to write it down, but it was Probably from like some the, WrestleMania or something. Yeah, it was from like the Saturday night like CBS special show or and maybe NBC or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, they decide to move into the the dining room, and this whole time they keep like cutting away. We go through a lot of uh, transitions of of time periods, and Norm just keeps on talking about it, like kind of foreshadowing this. The bird isn't get, isn't cooking and everything. And he's like, "Well, we're in the, he's like, how does how's the uh, how's the bird look? He's like, pretty good for being in the oven for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Later yeah. on, he's like, oh well, it's not it's not exactly cooking. It's like, what color is it? Off white. It's <laughs> not brown color. Yeah. Off white. And then later, it's like, well, we've moved into the earth tones. I <laughs> love that line. We've moved into the earth tones. Yeah, um, and and the the turkey when he pulls out the turkey, it's of such a size that it gets a laugh. Yeah, yeah. We actually call it Birdzilla later on <laughs> in the show. Not prepped at all, just you know, straight from the bag into the oven. Right. I'm yeah. surprised. I'm surprised he didn't make a joke like it was still frozen. Really? Yeah. yeah. He mentions like he thought he would have had more time to cook it, except it, it took him a while to get there. And um, they talk about like the, the traveling. They, go, like, they go on a tangent about the different routes. They- <laughs> yeah, ninety-three. <laughs> right. house. Yeah. And yeah, Diane suggests they pass it once they're at the table. Then oh, when they go in, Carla makes a joke. She's like, "Everybody sit, boy, girl, boy, girl. Clavin, you can sit anywhere." 
Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the whole instruction was meant to be a joke just at Cliff's expense because then they promptly sit boy, boy, girl, girl, boy, 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 like the two girls sit together. Nobody's going to listen to anybody at this point in time. No, no. And, and they, they, they don't have enough girls to make boy, girl, boy, girl remotely feasible. They've no. got like four guys and, and two girls, if I counted correctly. <laughs> Right. If Cliff, if Cliff actually played a girl in this situation, no, then had, they could have had a, a boy on each on yeah. at the far end. Yeah, it's, they it's Sam, Woody, Cliff, uh, Norm, and, and Fraser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, but, numbers are just completely impractical for boy, girl, boy, girl. Right, right. And then Diane has the suggestion while they're still waiting for the turkey, and you can see them starting to get a little bit angry or a little bit touchy. Diane suggests that they, you know, partake in this her family tradition where they talk about what they're thankful for. And Sam is thankful for his cool car, his cool stereo. Sam was in the in the hallway. Right, he tried right. to hide in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. And Diane knew Diane, it. Yeah. She yeah. called him in. Yeah. And Diane, Sam says that he's thankful for his cool car, his stereo, and that he's not dressed like a pilgrim. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, the everybody standing up before dinner and, and saying what they were thankful for, apparently that was drawn from the writer's real lives. I mm. found a thing on the Hollywood Reporter where they were talking about memories of Cheers and, and Bill and Sherry uh, Steinkellner. They say everyone had to stand up before dinner was served and say what you were thankful for. It could go on a long time. <laughs> And, and Leslie, Les Charles said, uh, my wife and I went to a Thanksgiving party many years ago where the turkey wouldn't cook. And then we got drunk and then sober again. We finally ended up eating peas and carrots. We never got to the turkey. It got uncomfortable because everyone was starving. Okay. Uh, aspects nice. were drawn from their real lives, which. Nice. Uh, That's perfect. It, it makes the better stories. It does make yeah. the better stories. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when it's Woody's turn, he's thankful for being an American. Uh, he's thankful for all the friends that he has made and being able, he does, and being able to do this. And he does this whole thing with his tongue where he can touch the bottom of his nose. And he's like, tries to touch like back of his teeth too. He does this whole thing. And Carla this, can bring her leg up to her head. And everybody everybody starts, yeah. Suddenly you understand how she got pregnant in high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this is a background thing that I didn't notice until my second viewing. Ted Danson starts doing tongue push-ups. Yes. Uh, he puts I, he puts his hand out or he puts a plate out and he starts like miming that he's doing push-ups with his tongue. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Never commented on, but it's it's a very funny background detail. Well, that's because Diane just calls, says, no, 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 we're not doing this. <laughs> yeah. We are not here to be thankful for strange things we can do with our bodies. Right. Another right. one of my near home runs for this episode. Yes. Yeah. Um. I also like the detail that no one calls it a thermometer. They just say it's a little pop, a <laughs> little pop. pop and finally is like, wait a minute, it's called the thermometer, people. And now, I'm, I'm from the country. I turkeys weren't born with those things. It's the pop thing is where maybe the pop thing is different. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Fraser freaks out. Called the thermometer, and they all shot thermometer. Um, when Diane, when she stands up and gets reflectful and she starts talking about all of the people who have inspired her, there's a great little uh, look between Sam and Frazier. And that's the commercial break, too. And um, that brings us into coming out of the commercial break. She's still going. I, was that a commercial break? I thought it was just a wipe between the scenes just to indicate how long she'd been going on. I don't know, but that's where I would have put a commercial break. <laughs> I, I Yeah, no, I think it was just a wipe between the scene just to indicate that she was going on for ages. But yeah, yeah. Um, it ends with uh, Buddha, Sherry Lewis, and Lamb Chop. Yes. And, and, and <laughs> Diane is obviously getting a bit drunk and punchy herself at this point. Right. And, yeah. Because. Um... And then they're they're mad about the, the turkey. They're mad about the thermometer. Sam says, let's not bite each other's heads off. And Cliff says, it may be the only thing we get to eat this day, Sammy. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was a good line. To... And then the, the final one of, of a now defeated Woody saying, this is going to be the greatest Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they, they start uh, talking about how all the food is cold. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm going to dig into these. Ice yeah. cold potatoes. He realizes as yeah. he's skipping them out, right. and then they they start bashing the gravy, and and Carlo's like, "Well, I'll have the peas because I made them. I know they're good." And mm-hmm. and Norm's like, "Oh, is that directed at me?" And he he brings the peas, and he's like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I dropped one. Here, let me pick that up for you." And he flicks it over at her, and I love that it just starts with that small thing. That's uh-huh. 
which had been built because it, because just prior to that, like Norm feeling like that that Turkey fiasco was his his thing, he starts yeah. blaming Carla and her oven. He's like, I guess mm-hmm. it's just your oven is like cheap and broken or something. Yeah, it was just yeah. fine until you brought brought Brazil into it. Yeah, a simple flick of the pea, mm-hmm. and it's like, ooh, everybody's like, how is she going to respond? And she apologizes, and then throws carrots at it. Yeah, <laughs> Cliff and, and nails, then, and then like Cliff. Uh, hurls yams at Fraser, and then mm-hmm. Fraser uh, throws <laughs> gravy at Woody. And it's like, it, like now it's like people who weren't even involved with that. You would you would expect it to be somebody retaliating against the other person, but no, it just devolves into madness immediately. And then I love that everyone just goes into battle stations. Everyone immediately backs away from the table, grabs a bowl of food, and is just ready to fling it at the person <laughs> close to or across from them. And Diane, and I've, I've all, and you're right, like, Rick, because this is such a memorable thing, but it's also this particular part was in the 200th episode spectacular. So I I can like hear it in my sleep of Diane's voice going, stop this immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fury on her face in that ridiculous pilgrim outfit and, and just, and everybody frozen, just ready. And and that tableau, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have never been witness to such <laughs> a silly sophomore, and then just the cranberry sauce prep right, right. against her. And of course, and we she don't... has that huge white collar, which yeah. the cranberry sauce is just like a beacon. Um, I wish it could have hit her face a little bit more, but you can't plan that sort of thing. And right. and, and the look on the look as you go back to Sam, and you could just see the weight of everything coming off of him. He's just like <laughs> ah. I've needed to do that for so long. He's so damn proud of himself. Oh yeah, He's just like Fraser. Fraser was almost a little bit jealous because yeah. Fraser's right there next to him. Yeah. yeah, And then it's like, Mister Malone, kiss your butt goodbye, and it it descends into chaos and anarchy. Yeah. And John, you mentioned the the part where um, Woody was kind of sitting near Cliff, and Cliff kind of tussles his hair. Yes. At this point, now. Cliff has his arm around Woody's neck and is burying stuff. Puts him in a headlock and is just stuffing food on his, like rubbing it into his hair. Um, Apparently, uh, according to this Hollywood Reporter uh, piece, they they say Jimmy yelled cut uh, for the food fight, but nobody stopped. It went on and on. It was payback time for Woody, George, and John for a few things that had happened that year. So... (laughs) Cheers cast was working some things out during this food fight. Wow. Not necessarily surprising. Yeah. I mean, we know that they would do like prank wars and things like that. And they would do things like hit each other with spitballs during takes. Mm. So it was, it was probably stuff like that. And, oh God. And they, they say like that the one thing that we never thought of was warm food getting on the floor. And nobody could keep their footing. So not only were they getting pummeled with food, but everybody was slipping and falling. Yeah, yeah. You wondered, like, I, I kind of wondered, I was like, okay, is some of this, like, improv? Because say, like, Ted Danson is the one who, like, almost looks like he does, like, a split. Like, he's going to go down. Yeah. And I was wondering, yeah. I was like, is that acting? Or I was like, I think that's just the actor losing his back. No, they, they are sincerely losing their footing. I mean, if yeah. it had been planned. Because they, they, they said they couldn't do this in rehearsal, so they had to do it for real for the cameras. Mm-hmm. So it was just chaos. Uh, Glenn Charles also says, it wasn't real food. Real food, food wouldn't have stuck on things. The combination of things we used caused the worst smell. When I run into anyone in the cast, they still comment on the smell. <laughs> I don't know what they used, but uh, it obviously worked well. <laughs> it, it's, it's brilliant, though. It's absolutely brilliant. And the fact that they were excising some demons, they were sliding on the floor, it makes it more realistic. And it's, yeah. what, it's, it's what brings us up to that seventh most popular episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's great because, I mean, they are really sincerely trying to get each other. It's mm-hmm. not like a fake food fight. It is a real food fight that just happens to be on film. <laughs> um, and then they, and when they cut to the aftermath of it, everyone is just covered with the stuff. It obviously went on for quite some time. Yeah, it was epic. That was an epic food fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we come back to the episode about that. Yeah. We yeah. come back to Woody, though. I knew this was going to be the greatest Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And we see actually the, the turkey has now on the table and has been eaten. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. been destroyed. <laughs> just yeah. bones. You just see the bones. Yeah, because it was probably the only thing they could eat by the end of it. No, no, the, the mashed potatoes on the uh, 
<laughs> over by the idle. running board were good yeah, yeah fraser just mentions idly oh yeah i never got to try the mashed potatoes and sam's just like oh here he reaches behind him to the mantle scoops up the thing with his hand and just yeah. pops it on fraser's plate and i think fraser actually takes a bite yeah yeah, yeah. And Sam says to Diane, he's like, you look saucy and cranberry or something. Yeah. And she has the line, she's like, Mr. One, he's like, just remember, revenge is a dish best served cold. I was surprised they didn't take that further and make a joke about the food being cold and everything like that. But she's just like, this her just sitting out. She's like, you're not going to know when or where, but I will get you back for this. But but it's nice to see that that has alleviated all the tension. Mm -hmm. They're now just there existing as friends again. And and they all just love each other and they're happy to be there and spending time together and they're just enjoying each other's company and we get the really good toast at this time too the Mm -hmm. real heartfelt toast yeah when they think about the people who aren't there and what he talks about his family members and uh you know the people and like norm actually mentions vera to set up it to remind the audience oh yeah there's this yeah um and sam mentions yeah yeah sam mentions coach and that's like the real genuine when they clink their 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 glasses Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I love that that's an understated moment. It's they don't make a meal of it. They don't it's just coach. And then everyone's like, yeah, here, here. And, and they all stand up at that point. Yeah. And it's and it's, you know, a combination of the love the characters have for for the coach and it's and the act the love that the actors had for Nick Calasanto. Mm-hmm. Uh and but they don't delve into it at all. Like if you know uh-huh. who coach is, it it works. If you don't it's fine. I mean, right, right. And and I think that's the beauty of it that is that it's an understated moment. Yeah. And it's something that they all. I mean, they have come together. They have let all the emotions out. Mm-hmm. And it's another thing that they all have in common. They all love Coach. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even even Woody, who was not on the show at the time, but they the show's established mm-hmm. that Woody was his pen pal. So he right. That's him. like Coach was Woody's entrance into this world. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And they wouldn't have taken Woody in unless like coached in a way sort of vouched for him from right right yeah so i mean it's it's a beautiful moment yeah uh and then diane goes into the kitchen to get the dessert get the the pie and that's when the doorbell rings and they're like who is this whatever and nor goes out and we hear he's like hey vera and they're like oh vera is here and it seems like we finally get to meet her and sam is kind of standing in the periphery of the of the edge of the screen and diane comes out with the pie in hand and she's like, Mr. Malone, and she just throws it, and he ducks, and we just hear the splat. Mm-hmm. And, and then, the reaction from everybody, too. <laughs> yeah, the reaction from everybody's big eye, and Norm walks in with his wife. Yeah. Um, and this one, Vera. So, according to IMDb, there are two people credited as Vera. Credited as Vera's voice is Bernadette Burkett, which is George Wentz's real wife, mm-hmm. and we previously saw her as the girl that Cliff was dancing with as Tinkerbell in the season three episode, Fairy Tales Can't Come True, which Rick, you and I discussed. Yep. According to IMDb, there's another person, another woman credited as Vera, which I guess would be the body, the, the person portraying her as body. And it's Rebecca Soliday, who was also on that same episode of Cheers. who was just the one woman, um, that Cliff, when he's trying to be, you know, prevent, he's, I mean, he tries to light her cigarette and she goes, thank you. And he goes, you're very, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so both of those women were in that last episode and they're both credited as Vera in this one. Hmm. The thing is, I'm not sure IMDb gets who's the voice and who's the body because I think the body standing with George Went in that scene is Bernadette Burkett, his real wife. Yeah, that is what that would I've make sense. always heard. I've, I've always heard that whenever... Vera had to appear and she appears like a couple times later in the series like there's an episode where she gets a job at but Melville and Melville's and we just like see her legs through like, her legs, like and and I think she's like like coming down from Melville's and she's going up the stairs in front of Cheers and it was Bernadette Burkett then I could see since like the the one line of dialogue that Vera has is over the blackout at the end i could see it maybe being another actress's voice but i've never that, heard it. that's why i'm i'm wondering if either the second woman is miscredited on imdb if she's not actually if she shouldn't be part of this or if the second woman is in fact the one who does the voice yeah um, I, that would be my guess because i don't think her voice sounded like the same woman from the fairy tales can come true yeah episode. but, but the, the 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 body the person that we see with her face covered in pumpkin pie 
it looks like Bernadette Burkett. That's yeah, what I think. It's, yeah. It's her it's her hair coloring and it's her uh her build and her her figure. And so I would not be surprised if that was her. And yeah. it is such brilliant, like there's a chunk of the pie that like falls off her face right before the end. And it's just it's perfect timing. You couldn't understand that any better. Um, we get the, yeah, it goes to blackout and you see the executive producer credits and you hear her voice saying, get your coat, Norm. And he says, yes, Char- yeah, kind of sheepishly. Charming right. friends, Norm, get your coat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know if we needed that dialogue. I, I don't think it really added much to give her, her those lines. I think if it had just gone to black and that had been the end, I, I think it would have been fine. I, I think maybe they wanted to put that in there because the the characters still basically have not met vera so mm. they can keep that joke going like because mm. if she comes in they don't see her face and they leave immediately has anybody ever really met vera <laughs> oh, okay. mm-hmm. you know and if if they hadn't had that they could you could imagine that they all sat down with vera and they got to know vera and then that that kind of kills the whole joke of the unseen that's my only thought on it maybe i'm totally yeah. wrong maybe I'm no just, i i, I would agree wrong. with you i i feel like that I feel it's needed. I like just the end punch on it. And even though Norman stood up for himself and he's gone to see his friends, mm-hmm. it has failed spectacularly. And his wife is pissed off and he's got to go home with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. After, after revisiting that, I mean, we certainly had a lot to talk about. And I, again, like I, I enjoy the heck out of this episode as we've had fun talking about it. And like, you, you're right, Rick. I think, I think your explanation of, of how, iconic and the way the climax of this episode kind of lives outside of the show cheers and kind of exists in the collective memory of the fan base and of television in general i think that's why it is so fondly remembered um when i I, have my list of all of my episodes i don't know that this will even be in the top 50 um but mm -hmm. i i do understand and i respect how the food fight in this is just something that's sort of it, it just sort of exists. Yeah, like I said, it's sort of like beyond Cheers. It's just kind of like something else in the firmament of American television. I think there's a difference between what is a great episode and what's the best episode. Mm. Because this is a great episode. It's a lot of fun to watch. But is it a is it the best? Is it a good episode? No, there's, it's not. It's, it's one joke that they're really going for. Right. Yeah. But the ones that you have on the top of your list are the ones that have meat to them. The ones that are constant, punchy jokes after joke after joke with right. great character development and great storytelling behind it. But this is great and this is fun. And this is something that is extremely rewatchable. It, it's also a little atypical for Cheers in that the big gag they're building to is the visual of the food fight. And when you think of jokes from Cheers, you usually think of the verbal wordplay that they sort of did, like mm-hmm. where where uh, Diane's identifying a quote and she says, that's done. And Sam says, I certainly hope so. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the sort of joke you think of with Cheers, uh, you know, or any of the Norm entrance gags. Like, you know, what are you up to, Norm? My ideal weight if I was 11 feet tall. <laughs> like, that's a Cheers gag. And like a food fight is not what you typically think of for Cheers. And it stands out for that reason. But because it's this visual slapstick sort of thing, it's really tough to figure out like what the, the top line of this episode is. Or it was for me anyway. Yeah. Getting into the superlatives, uh, Norm's tab. I gave him credit for four beers this time. He was actually drinking like wine or sherry for a good number of scenes mm. once they got to Carla's house. Does that count? Uh, no, if it's not if it's not a natural beer, if it's not if it doesn't come from either the the keg or the can, uh, I, I don't I don't count like any other spirits or something. Okay. Um, but that means he had 422 for the series up to this point. Go Norm, respectful for the employees of the week. Uh, Rick, what did you think? Who who stood out to you? This is hard because this is the epitome of an ensemble show and everyone is firing on the same cylinders. I you know, not the best, not the worst. They're just, they're all right there. At the end of the day, I had to give it to Diane. She wore that pilgrim outfit and, (laughs) and I think we're going to get it to with the home run as well, but just her selling what she was wearing and coming in as the mom of the group that was enough to make her just a little bit different than everything else and standing out for her own thing. 
Yeah, I think I have to agree. I, I have to give it to Diane. I'm, I'm tempted to give it to Sam or Frazier. I love Frazier's slow seething, his, his slow build throughout the episode. And like I said earlier, I love vengeful Frazier. Um, <laughs> Sam, I'm tempted to give it to him just for the tongue push-ups because I find that so amusing. But I really think it's got to be Diane. Shelley Long has a tough uh, part to play in the show overall and this episode in particular because she has to be someone that the characters all find annoying but the audience doesn't find annoying and she walks that line beautifully i think she's my my line of the week too so i think i have to give it to her for that yeah i think we're three for three in this one i give it to diane too um i like as i said i really like frazier in the first half when they're in the bar Mm -hmm. um but once we actually get into Carla's house, once Diane shows up with the, first, the gobble gobble and she's dressed up from that point on, whether she's on the phone with her professor, you know, whether she's kind of trying to mother them and kind of take charge of this whole thing and giving her whole spiel and everything. And then, yeah, just, I mean, the the whole, as like the, the, the best part of this episode, the whole food fight in general, like that whole thing, soup to nuts. But if I could single out a moment of the food fight in particular, it's Diane screaming, stop this, an idiot! Yeah. <laughs> 100%, it. that was my moment as well. That, that's my home run right there. I, yeah, I, it can't, it almost is the last punch with Vera coming in there, but mm-hmm. her stop this immediately, everything comes to a head and, and it's, it's yeah. that pinnacle. You are at the peak of the mountain and it's all down here from here, folks. I mean, it, it, yeah, that is the moment right there. That is the moment where it's just about to descend in chaos and Diane knows she's been around these people long enough to know that this is what is going to happen. They are savages and she just immediately is like, stop this immediately! And Shelley Long just again, the tableau of her spreading her arms and just, you know... Everybody <laughs> just frozen... frozen. With their, like, weapons cocked. <laughs> and, and she's, yeah, I mean, there are the Hatfields and McCoys, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, if they had, like, blunderbusses, <laughs> they would, um, but she is just like, stop this, I mean, and, and her just near incoherent yelling, it's hilarious. And it, it kicks it up a few notches. Yeah. It's, it would not be as funny without that moment. No, perfect. And then, yeah, runner up the the whole the the capper with Vera getting pied in the face and everything, and just yeah. coming in to to uh, we finally meet her, but we don't really, as you point out, we don't really get the chance to see her. Yeah. Um, and then my distant runner up would just be Fraser when he goes, "Could I?" Yeah. Like that. <laughs> That's a great moment. I have to give an honorable mention to Woody's. This will be my first Thanksgiving alone, unless you count Nick last year. <laughs> I think, again, that is a joke that is so woody and it's so wonderfully stupid. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be the best constructed joke of the episode. Um, it's it's the most joke joke. So, yeah, I really like that moment. All right. Well, guys, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of Cheers Cast. Rick, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? Me and my co-host, Jeff, who nobody actually sees in real life because I always hit him with a pie before we meet anybody. <laughs> sure. well, we have a show that we call Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we go through each issue that features a member of Power Pack right now. I also do a little show called Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. That's where I get a guest on. We look at a movie that they've never seen before, and we talk about it. Very cool. And John, where else can people find you? Uh, you can listen to me on uh, my regular podcast, The SNL Nerds, that I do with my friend uh, Darren Patterson. We watch uh, new episodes of Saturday Night Live. We go through it sketch by sketch. We talk about it kind of like we just did with this Cheers episode and talk about what we thought about it, what worked, what didn't work, and all that. On the off weeks, we cover movies uh, starring SNL alumni. So uh, we have a lot of fun with that. That's on the non-productive podcast network so you can check us out there snl nerds uh very cool and thanks to all of you out there who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the fire and water podcast network on patreon like rick does special thanks to ashford from the right on podcast network and rick from jeff and rick presents who sponsor the show Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, happy Thanksgiving, even though we are several months away. Norm, I'm sorry about what I said about your gravy. All right. 
patience. Okay. Fine. And so are the carrots. <laughs> uh, anybody want some of these uh, lovely yams? <laughs> Would you care to test the gravy skin? People, 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 people! Stop this immediately! I have never been witness to such a silly, soft... I'm alone. Kiss your butt. Goodbye! I knew this was going to be the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>